When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Welcome to another live stream edition of the John Cow Report. Appreciate you tuning in. You're watching on YouTube. When you're watching this, you can help us out there by hitting the like button and hitting the subscribe button. You can always find us there later as part of Empire Media, AMP, IRE. Always much appreciated when you tune in. You can always read my work on ESPN.com and you can listen to my partner over here, Bram Weinstein, on ESPN 630, the voice of the commanders. So let's get started, Bram. It's, a win is a win in this league. It's very hard to win in this league. It was not always pretty, still some holes, but I'm curious what you came away from Sunday's win in Atlanta, what your thoughts were. Um, and how it pertains to this team moving forward. Uh, you know, real time, I didn't feel totally great about it other than I agree with you, just winning is is really everything and that the defense came up huge in critical spots in the second half. But then rewatching it, um, best, I know the yardage total won't seem this way, but best defensive plan, best defensive yeah. execution since week one, personally, uh, is what I think. And then secondarily on offense, I still think they're trying to figure out who they are and what they do. Um, I still think they need to run the ball more. I think they need to exert their will more. Um, the fact that Atlanta had 29 more plays than them and dominated time of possession is worrisome. But again, yes. like, listen, I like the fact that um, that they came away with a win and the defense came up with critical, critical plays in the second half. And, you know, listen, I'll, I'll take it is the way I'd put it. Well, and you know, the funny thing is, Brandon, I've gotten a lot of this like, well, you know, if they had a better quarterback, well, yeah. I mean, if I was five more, five inches taller, I'd be, you know, a different person too. So they don't have a better quarterback. So to me, the plan going in was make Desmond Ritter beat you. I mean, how many times, you know, they don't give you an asterisk next to a win because, well, Atlanta doesn't have a great quarterback. Atlanta is every bit this team's equal. They have a good defense. They have a really good running game, a good offensive line. So, you know, you still have to make a guy beat you, and, they, and that's what they did. So I agree with you on the defensive game plan was, was, was good in that take away Bajan Robinson and make Desmond Ritter beat you. And they completely took Robinson out of the game. I mean, I like, you know, not that I'm speaking for Atlanta, but I don't know how they don't watch this and go, how did we end up throwing the ball 47 times? Like, <laughs> like they're crazy, honestly, for doing right. that. So they kind of played into Washington's hands. And I'll go back to, you know, my original kind of takeaway, which I know they gave up a lot of yards. That team does have some very high-level first-round pick skill position players. Pitts, Drake London's really Ron, good. Drake London's, they're going to make plays. You know, Pitts. like, so I don't get overly concerned about them. Like, the first touchdown they scored, that was an NFL throw, you know, to Kyle Pitts. Like, I'm not going to be upset about that. Kyle Pitts being locked on either Barton or Davis, he's going to win some of those. Like, I'm okay with that. Drake London coming down with a crazy contested catch. I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, these are really good players that they played up against. I'm all right with all that. It's the other stuff that was happening for the last right. three, four, five weeks that like the edge contain was problematic. The line wasn't getting pressure. Um, and in this case, the edge control was 
far better than it's been. Really it actually good. falls right in line with what typically happens previously in the last few seasons under Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. The edge contain of the defense seems to kind of hit its stride right about now. And boy, did they need it against this particular team. So I thought Chase Young was more disciplined. I thought Casey Tuhill and James Smith Williams are always very reliable to make a few plays here or there that kind of can help turn a game or mess up a drive. Um, I thought John Allen was more active than he's been in a few weeks, you know, and I really do feel like the heartbeat of this team is the interior defensive line. And not that they haven't been good. They just haven't been as impactful as I'm used to seeing them the last few weeks. I thought Allen showed up a lot more this week. I thought Cody Barton had a very good game, extremely active. Barton's best game. Ball. And, you know, like the reality with the secondary was they did need to give Emmanuel Forbes a break. That it is not going to make the type of high-end plays that they hope Forbes will make, but he's steady. And I think it was a security blanket for them, frankly. Yeah, and and I think, and I talked about this on the film review. If people want to know my thoughts on the, the defense in general, what they showed, I did the film review about why were they so effective stopping the run. And so much of it, so much of it was about um the five-man front. Like they it simplified it identified their gaps in a better way. And I think that's why you saw the linebackers playing a little bit faster. So I think that was a good thing. You can only, you, you can't use it against every team because not every team presents the same yep. thing. And somebody on here was asking about the four, three, you're only going to see that. Like you were seeing that Sunday because Atlanta played a lot of 22 personnel. So two tight ends, two backs, right. Yep. Or two, you know, 21 personnel too. So it lent itself to playing a traditional 4-3 look at times, but the 52 was more effective overall. So it gave them a different look. So that's why they were able to do it. But it really kind of simplified that. And the one guy that you didn't mention who needs a big shout out is the big fella in the middle. When you're playing that 52, you better have a, a big guy in the middle. And that's John Ridgeway. I thought yep. he was really good too. played with some power and he gives them that ability to really, I think, muscle some people in that interior. He has been playing pretty well. Um, and you know, so I think that made a difference, makes a difference too. And so I, I see why did, why did it take Del Rio so long to realize you force turnovers when you blitz? Um, and you know, I, and I will say this two of the three came on very well timed pressures, which we'll go back to. I think this really was the best execution right. plan that they've had. Two of them were extremely well timed pressures. Fuller was waiting for it off of a pressure. The interception in the end zone for St. Jude's came at a very well timed pressure. The third one was. Really just a great individual play by Jamin Davis. Uh, it, it was. Him, maybe the that and the forced fumble on Russ. He's had two game-changing plays this year in the six games and two of the three wins. Right. That was a great, great, great individual play. I mean, they had him lined up on the edge with Bajan Robinson. That's a win for Atlanta nine times out of ten. Jamin made an outstanding individual play. But the other two, to go back to the point, was there were two pressures. It's not just relying on that front four, two pressures that caused Ritter to throw the ball exactly where the corners were waiting for them. And they took advantage of it. So, you know, I don't know if they ever get too reliant on this front four or if they're just reluctant to blitz more. I don't know how you feel about well, it. I'll be honest. Really they blitz more than people seem to think because they were in the top half of teams in blitzing. In fact, I think it, I don't, I don't know if we have to call up the numbers now, but they were definitely in the top half of blitzes in, in the league. But when you have those, front four, the whole beauty of it is you should be able to get pressure with them and then play because coaches want to play coverage with seven. When teams are blitzing, it's usually to cover something up. Now, I think where I'd like to see more of is some more like they actually had a they had one stunt that was really good where James with Williams getting home, 
and Ritter gets rid of the ball in 1.6 seconds, which is ridiculous. But they, what I'd like to see is a little bit more of the overload blitzes where you're, you know, which teams do to them all the time. And, you know, you can, that way you can rush with four and cover with seven, but it's still an aggressive tactic. But yes, I mean, that was the other part when people say, well, they, you know, about Ritter, they forced him into making bad mistakes. And that, that last one with Davis, what, what should have happened for Atlanta is that Bajan Robinson to me looks like he runs it too vertical. And if you're cutting inside, that's, that's a play. He gave Jamin Davis an opening. Davis pounced on it and made a highly athletic interception. So, you know, I, I think like that was a really good play by him. But I do think if, if, if Bijan Robinson runs the route right, that it's probably, you know, it makes it a lot tougher. And it made it tougher on, on Ritter for sure. But, yeah, the pressure was good. And, but that's what you do with a quarterback like Desmond Ritter. And it also helped that he's not a guy. I know we've got ran for one thing, nine or ten yards. But he's not a guy who's going to hurt you with his legs consistently. So they were able to keep him bottled up and made him throw off his back foot. He doesn't have the greatest arm to do that. And so that's what you do. Yeah, no, I, I thought it really was best executed defensive game plan since week one, frankly. Um, and, you know, the fact that they did throw the ball 47 times, that's on them. I, I, I don't I have no idea what they were thinking. I mean, the tide had really turned. I think it was more out of attrition in the second half. They had run so many plays that clearly Atlanta was able to move the ball better on the ground. I think just out of attrition for the amount of plays that were being run. Um, but once Ritter threw the ball, they were playing into Washington's hands. So I thought they played pretty well. Other side of the ball, just my, my general takeaway was I like the design of a number of the plays in the first half. I actually thought they were very creative at times. They have these moments in the red zones, third or fourth time this year when they get in the red zone that EB's really, really throwing everybody for a loop and they get these walking in touchdown. So he's, his design in the zone so far this year has been very, very good. Um, the only other thing I would you know take away from is, Again, I know that the numbers ended up being closer to even run pass. I still, the fact that Brian Robinson got 10 carries, 16 over the last two weeks, it's just not enough, in my opinion. And the other thing that it's, you know, like master of the obvious, Jahan Dotson with one target. Um, you know, I, I know they have a lot of weapons here and there's always going to be this problem of someone's going to get kind of left out, but he's been targeted like three or four times in the last two weeks. He has a limited amount of receptions and yardage. At some point, they've got to figure out something to get him involved because he's as dangerous a player on the field as anybody that they have, and he just can't be forgotten about. So those two things are I agree. as they kind of figure this out, incorporating Dotson way more than what they are, which is largely ignored you know, the last couple of weeks. And I just feel like Robinson has been their best asset. When they get a lead, I want them to go the Atlanta route, start trucking people and get the momentum going their side and wear the other team down. That's kind of a Rivera style, at least in the past. And I think they've like, short shorted Robinson the amount of carries he probably should have had the last couple of weeks. I will say I will say Sunday I thought one problem with that was Calais Campbell and Grady Jarrett controlled the middle and there were times where they had some big problems with those two in the middle and it, I think it stuffed some runs but I agree like you you need to like that's one of the things with the defense in the second half and all the yards they were the offense didn't help them at all there were three really bad series for them that, um, you know, I think that certainly detracted from what the defense was able to do. So, and I will say this, and, and we saw Chris Rodriguez get some carries. I like him in this offense. I feel yeah. like one of the things that he did, and he only had a couple runs, but he had, I think on the 13-yard run, for example, he, he, I think he knows how to set guys up with this and know the, to run with the, the level of patience you need. 
and then to cut back. And there was one run he had where he was able to do that, and it was the action of the play was good, and it, it froze the backside linebacker, but also the action of Rodriguez allows Nick Gates to get to the linebacker, seal him off, and there was a nice little lane for him. So I like what he does in this offense. I'm just curious to see what the – I don't know how many carries he can get going forward, but I do agree with you. There was some more opportunities for that, and Dotson yeah. absolutely has to get the ball. Bram, watching that game again, it felt like at times he was a decoy. And then the other problem is there are a lot of times he's running routes that are a little bit deeper – and so by the time he's turning around and might be open, the ball's probably already out. And on Sunday, it was probably going to McLaurin. So I, you know, there are times where I just, I don't see, I don't get why they don't try to use him a little bit more because he's a guy that if you can get him in space, he can, he can do some damage on some of those underneath routes we saw it against. We saw it last year. We saw it against Philly. You know, he needs to be more involved. And it's hard because, you, you know, you say that like, well, they obviously they got to get Terry involved. Well, they got to get more runs. They got to do this. You got to stay on the field to get all these guys opportunities. But yeah. Dotson definitely has to get more. Yeah. And, I mean, yep. it's just, it, like, I, like, like I said, like we've known this because they have a lot of options that there's somebody's going to be the person who goes hungry for a couple of weeks because they just don't get the ball that way. And I like when they always say like your turn will come. I agree with that. But someone of his level being targeted literally once, you know, doesn't feel right you know, off of the week before we've been targeted just a couple of times off of his stats for the year are averaging two catches in 27 yards a game. We've got to find a way to unlock him. He's too talented. I guess the point is we've got to find a way to get him the ball more in the same way. The first couple of weeks when everybody said, you got to throw the ball to Terry, you got to throw the ball to Terry more. Of course, like he's your number one receiver. So, you know, like, I think this is, this is all still very much this offense, very much a work in progress. It can get off. You know, it can get derailed very quickly, dependent on game conditions. We saw this against the Bears where they just didn't run the ball at all for long stretches of time. You know, there's a couple of players that are getting lost in it. You know, hopefully they'll reemerge. Um, do they use their best asset, you know, at critical points like Robinson? I would argue no at this point, but they are scoring more points than they did a year ago. Um, their quarterbacking play is a lot better than it has been in the last couple of years. I think Hal's is a very good decision maker. In fact, last week in the sec- late second half was really one of the first times that, un- in my view, that he actually forced a few throws. I haven't seen him yeah. do very much of that. Like, I actually like his decision making, but I think he tried to force a couple to Terry late to try to extend some drives. Yeah, instead one of- that where he's double covered. Yes, instead of sticking to what has kind yeah, of Logan underneath. People are like. Why is Logan Thomas getting all the targets? Well, he's reading the play and that's where the ball's supposed to go. Like, that's what I want my quarterback to do. Like in this particular case, like there was the first time that I saw him, I felt like he forced a couple, which was unusual to see out of him. Largely, I like most of his decision-making. Does he hang onto the ball too long sometimes? Yes. Was that the, did that attribute to a couple of sacks again? Yes. Like it's not all on the line. It's a little bit on him as he kind of grows, but largely I like his decision-making overall. And so I'm just hoping, so that pushes it back, in my opinion, on EB. How do we unlock Jahan? How do we unlock right. Deontay? How do we unlock unlock some of the deeper threats on this team? Because we just haven't seen oh. much of it yet. And in the case of Dotson, come on, he's got to get the ball more. He's too dangerous. He's got to get the ball more. Well, and I would say in Deami's case, they've been going to him a couple of times. He's had a couple of those deep balls. And, and you know, against Chicago, it wasn't a good throw. You've got to lead him out there, and he threw it over. You've got to lead him to the open spot. Last week, he had a shot. And, you know, I think with Jahan, I mean, people wondering about the drop. It's not like you're not calling – if you're worried about the guys out there and they're driving the ball, you're not putting them out on the field. 
it's not about that. It's about creating opportunities for them. Yes. And, and that's what they haven't done for Jahan. You've, and again, I don't want to just, you need to get the ball to Terry. Like first and foremost, I'm getting the ball to Terry and I'm getting it to him early because I think they operate better when he gets the ball early. I agree. But I'm definitely going to make some plays in there for Jahan. And sometimes it's not just calling the play. I'm going to call this play for Jahan because you might call it for somebody that this is a good play for him. And then the coverage shifts. So you might see something. And so that play that you think is designed for him is going somewhere else because of for whatever reason. So the kid is talented. And, but I, it just, I do think the other day when I was watching it, there's a lot of times his routes were a little bit deeper than, you know, clearly they wanted to get Terry underneath. I also wonder too, like when, when the Eagles played a lot of zone against them and I think that suited him well, I think Terry does well against man coverage. And I think that was a big reason for that 11 targets the other day. And you saw that, like he gets off the line a little bit better, a little bit more physical than yeah. what Jahan's going to do against that man coverage. You started talking about this early in the spring and the summer. I totally agree with this. Like, I know everybody's really excited about the enemy. I also am excited about what he's going to produce. Um, but like, I think we both agree. And you started harping on this very early. Like, we need to give them time to figure out. Yes. You know, yeah. so... What I want to see is what this offense is in the second half of the season. Because right. right now, it does read week to week to week that they're figuring out what they're good at. They're figuring out who they are. Um, we're also dealing with a young quarterback who I actually think has exceeded expectations, frankly. Like, I know the sack numbers are really awful looking, and he does have some picks and all that stuff. But frankly, like, I do, you know, think he's playing very well. It is, it is about, it's, it's as good as I could have hoped, honestly, really yeah, yeah. decision-making and his abilities out there. This none of this is too big for him. He's extremely accurate in general, which is why I think he forced a couple last week because it's not like him to force a couple of things. And that's what he did. But I agree with you. Like we have to be patient, which is why this whole year all along, not that I want to get into ownership or changes or all that stuff, but like, this whole year all along, what concerned me about all the changes was we all know what's in the air and we all know what's on the line here. The ground needs to not be shaky for all of this to develop, to allow EB to figure out what they're good at, to allow Hal to mature, to allow the line to figure him out a little bit, to allow the run pass balance to work itself out, to find spaces for all of the playmakers to have their roles. Like It was just going to take some time. And I feel like this win, to me, I don't care how they got it, is a massive relief because I was very concerned at if they had know you were in four, very concerned that we'd start having some haywire wild, wild west stuff going on out there. It's every man for himself and people are worried about jobs. And that's why this win and maybe that punt return saved the season yes. now because they had to calm the waters down, get a win back to 500 and get everybody calmed down again and just kind of stay on the same page. And while this is a new organization, like the new ownership, it is not, it's an organization in transition for that reason. Like you're, we're not going to move past that until we know what's going on with this group. And so like this group, the coaching staff has to win. And if they don't, you know, so that's why I say this is an organization in transition as much as it is. It's not just everything's new, you know, new over here as the owner, but you got the old guys or the old guard, I guess, still having to win to keep their job. So, um, yeah. And, and um, so that, that's, that's a big deal. And so I agree with you. Like if they didn't win that game, it could, you, you started to worry about like what's going to happen next because 
like, yeah, you know, the Giants are struggling right now and their offensive line is banged up. We don't know if Daniel Jones is going to play, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we also know how things often go for this team in the Meadowlands. So you couldn't, you could not put yourself in that position. They had to win the game. The other thing I want to go back to though, Bram, is some of the coverage stuff, because this is something too, that this is the area where when Rivera talks about details, this is part of it. Now, to do your job, it was, there was a lot of us like with the defense line, you've got to do your job because they're the they're the bell cows. They're the anchors of this franchise, of this defense especially. But the secondary continues to have coverage mishaps. And there was the one on the fourth and four where it looks like it's a cover zero and you don't, you don't have it. Not, you know, they're not locked up on, on guy man, whether it's Cam Curl or was, was I think, Jamie Davis supposed to blitz on their plate. I don't know for sure. But there was a mishap. Then you had on the first Kendall Fuller interception, somebody pointed this out to me on Twitter. I'm watching Kendall. I'm watching the, the, the pressure. But on the other side, you have two receivers versus one defensive back. Somebody blitzed on the play that I don't think was supposed to. That stuff can't keep happening. And some of that, maybe some youth a little bit. You know, Butler's still young. You have Quan Martin out there. But it can't keep happening because when you're – gonna face a better passing attack. And if they see that they're, you know, you're gonna look for things, right? So that's the stuff that they have to shore up if they want to take that next step or to get back to where they were as a defense at the end of last year. Uh, the other thing too, like which was a nice surprise, was I was actually very concerned on punt coverage. Um, yeah. Mike Hughes good job there. Without Holmes and without Reeves, they're two yeah. gunners and one's a pro bowler. And we already know they've had trouble with punt coverage this year. I was really concerned that, that Atlanta was going to flip the field on a play, even it's with Hughes, who's not dangerous, dangerous. Quan Martin, Tariq Castro Fields, yeah, yeah, over yep. and over. And then, of course, the crowd of return to me, really, if this season turns around, that's going to be the play. I mean, frankly, I it is, it's going to be the play I'm going to point back to and go, this turned it all around. It was the most important thing that had happened to them in a month. You know, like, well, since, really, since the Jamin Davis strip fumble of Russell Wilson. Yep. Or, well, you know, it, we wouldn't be saying that had they won the Philadelphia game, but I guess, or, you know, we'd go back to scoring a touchdown with no time left on the clock to send it to overtime. Had they won the game, I right, think we'd right. to that, but because they've had the, th- you know, the three straight losses and things were kind of spiraling and the vultures started circling that Jamison Crowder punt return came right on time for this team in so many ways. And that they, cashed it in, never relinquished the lead again. Um, you know, if they turn this around and if they become a playoff team, I'm going to look back at that as the moment where it all changed. So you're saying that Dax Mill might not get his job back? I think so. <laughs> Doubt it. I, yeah. I Listen, it's it's been it's been fun to have Jamison Crowder back because I always liked him. But the funny thing is watching him at the end of that return looked a little bit gassed. And he even said after the game that he needed, it's like he should have been stretching out on the sidelines a little bit. And it bothered him the whole game that he couldn't finish it off. But they've actually, you know, that wasn't, he had the, it was a 20 yard return against the bears. That was a good return. He had a, I think a 14 yarder he said against the Eagles that he pointed out, you know, you get 10 yards. That's great as a returner in this league. And he, you know, so they've been close to a couple of things, but he just does such a good job. And it's funny because when he was here the first time, he had one year where he was really good returning punts and a couple of years where he just wasn't very good, but man, he's looked, he's been really good for them so far. And that's been like, and you know, I think there are a lot of other guys too that contributed, you know, somebody brought up Danny Johnson. He had a, he had a nice game and I really, and this is one play I put up on the film review, Bram, that fourth down 
the the one fourth down that he broke up, he plays it textbook. It was inside leverage and pitches against him. It's a bigger guy. Danny Johnson is not a big guy, but he plays a perfect leverage, plays inside, knocks the ball away. Ritter, you can say, like, if you have a, you know, you've got to get the ball up there. But, but man, Johnson was in the right spot. And that's what you need to see. He's been very steady for them. Um, And, you know, like, I don't want to go all the way back to last year, but he was the surprise cut of the end of last summer when they were guys who hadn't even never made sense. It burned them early in the season by going with some young and experienced guys over a steady player like him. Which kind of leads us back to this, which is Emmanuel Ford did not play a defensive snap this past weekend. Um, I was told on Friday, you know, don't expect him to play much. I didn't know it would be, end up being zero. That's what right. he ended up being. Um, what do you think? Like, what, what's what's his what's his short term future? Well, I think short term, I think you're going to see until he get until they start to see more what they want to see consistency with your technique. And so the only way he can show it now is during the week when you're getting reps. But that's been the big bugaboo. So yeah, I knew I would say early last week that probably wasn't going to play because. You can't keep making it's, – it's not just that you're getting beat. It's why. It's why are you giving up those plays. It's because your eyes aren't in the right spot. It's because you're not playing with the, the technique that they want him to play with. So he's got to learn all that. It will make him better when he gets to that point. And I think they're fortunate that they have Danny Johnson. And the funny thing, Bram, like we're talking to Danny Johnson after the game the other day, and Forbes is dressing right next to him. Yeah. And it was weird – not weird because Forbes handled it well. I mean, that – the kid has handled this well. I think that bodes well for him. And then yep. Danny Johnson's sitting there saying like, yeah, you know, he's going to go back in there. He's going to be ready. He's going to do this. I'm like, you just had this big game for yourself. And when you're talking about how this guy's going to go back in there, I thought it was, it speaks well of, of Danny Johnson too, that he knows that you know the job is to get help, get this guy ready as well. I think he'll go back in there. I don't know that we'll see him this week. And I don't, you know, then you have Philadelphia the week after. I think if I'm the coaches, you're going to want to see more consistency in, in, in using the technique and letting him do that away from the field is probably a good thing. But the yeah, thing that bothers me, Bram, with this is that these were some of the issues that we saw this summer, especially in Baltimore. And, and that's where you say, like, why wasn't this focused on more or what, you know what I mean? Why did it get to this point where with the technique, I mean, could you have done something a little bit earlier with the, you know putting Danny Johnson from then, I mean, you know what I mean. So I, that's the thing that I wonder about. But um, I don't know. What, what would you? When would you put him back in? You know, I need to talk to the coaches about it. I mean, this is this is an interesting week. Um, the Giants haven't scored an offensive touchdown in three weeks, which is <laughs> preposterous. But but they haven't. They haven't scored an offensive I, touchdown. You know, they haven't I don't know how they feel about how he's happened. playing. But if there was ever a time to get him back out on the field and, and try to get some confidence back in him it's against this particular team. We don't even know who their quarterback's going to be yet this weekend. Um, and I, and I, I am a sooner rather than later. I think this was a good reset for him. I agree with you. I think he's handled it very well. This is an extremely competent person. And my concern after the Eagles game was, is his confidence shaken? And then after the Bears game, I got very, very concerned. You know, that like, that's the one thing I don't want to see go away. Welcome to the NFL. Like you took on AJ Brown, who in my opinion is a top five NFL receiver and DJ Moore who ranks somewhere and is a clear number one you're gonna have bad days against people like that like that's gonna happen his days were particularly bad yeah and that's why I think they had to do what they had to do but welcome to the NFL and I'm okay with them giving him the reset 
And but this is an interesting week. So will they see enough in practice to get his feet wet again on the field? Because that's not AJ Brown or DJ Moore this week. It's not an offense that's functioning even close to anything like that. So I will be curious to see what happens later this week with me too. And I will say this: the goal here is to win games, not just develop Emmanuel Forbes. So if I'm other guys and I'm thinking like, if I see like, hey, listen, Danny Johnson just did this. And this guy's still not doing that. What are you doing? And the funny thing is, Bram, because his rep, obviously, listen, you don't give, first of all, other cornerbacks have been benched as rookies. Other good cornerbacks as rookies have been benched because it is, it's a difficult position and he, they put him in a difficult spot and, you know, so, and you get throat baptism by fire. And so you don't, I think the kid can still be good. There's a lot to like about him. I think he has some elite skills and elite traits that will ultimately pay off. It's just that he's got to get there and be more consistent. Um, but, you know, I think it's how do you respond and, and all that. But the funny thing is, here's a guy that they drafted to help get him turnovers. And the one game he doesn't play, they pick it off three times. So, and it wasn't because he right, wasn't out. It's just coincidence, but it's still. Two first career receptions. That was St. Juice's first career interception. Yeah. That was Jamin's career interceptions. That was pretty good. Yeah. And, and that, you know, and I, I mean, good for St. Juice too. Like St. Juice has some tough assignments as well because he's, He's out there covering Kyle Pitts. He's covering in the slot. He's covering outside, you know, and so, and he covered like Drake London. He has good coverage on the one that London makes a really good catch. And, you know, it's funny because Drake London would have been here had they, had he been there at 11 last year, but he wasn't. So he's not, and he never was going to get to that point, but, but anyway, so what are you looking ahead, Bram? So Giants this week, what's your concern? Any, well, what, what's your, what are your early thoughts on that one? I mean, the fact that this team lost to an 0 and 4 team has me counting no chickens about <laughs> anything. You know, so, but like, and they played their best game Monday night. So, you know, that, you know, so maybe they're getting a little bit better. But man, I, I mean, you just look at how they played, how far they get behind, the metrics on both sides of the ball. I mean, I couldn't even believe I saw this. Kayvon Thibodeau has four sacks. They don't have a single other player with more than a half sack. Here's a team right. that's struggling to keep their quarterback upright. Um, they're losing, until Monday night, they're losing by an average of 23 points a game. Like, this is teed up for them, you know, to get a win and get their three, but there's nothing that's guaranteed. Like, go look at the results over the weekend. How does it- Cleveland with a back quarter? Cleveland with their third string quarterback basically beat the 49ers um the eagles lost to the jets like there's just there's arizona's beaten dallas this year like there's no we lost to the bears at home got smoked by the bears at home so and we know against this team in particular with the lone exception of that week 17 game where joe judge was going to be fired and they were playing from actually and were, were scared to run offensive plays Every game this team plays against them is close and always seems to take a turn the wrong way when Daniel Jones is playing. And so what am I worried about? I'm worried about all of that. <laughs> like, all well, of that's, that. Yeah. that said, I do assume that if they play with the type of intensity, especially defensively that they did last week, that they're going to figure out a way to win. That's what my hope is. Yeah. And I, well, they have to, because you need to build momentum. The second half of the schedule is really brutal. So you need to build momentum and you can't afford to lose lose these games anymore. And so, and, you know, um, this line, and I talked to Jordan Rana on my ESPN counterpart earlier today for the podcast that will be out Thursday about the Giants. And like, they are in a state of hurt along that offensive front. 
And you yeah. don't know, is it going to be Tyrod Taylor? The one thing to watch, though, is Tyrod Taylor will go downfield more than Daniel Jones. And so he's going to, I think they'll test this coverage down the field a little bit more. But if he can get, if he has the time to do so, the real worry for me, Bram, is Wink Martindale. What does he cook up against a young quarterback? That's the big concern for me. And, and you know, what, what happens there? Because, listen, there have been so many times that you go, like, they play in the Meadowlands, like, they're just, they, they're just, better than the Giants, and then you pick them, and it's like, how did they lose that game? Well, it's usually like a crazy play early in the game or some turnover early in the game that just takes whatever momentum they might have. Like last year, shoot, last year they're up, what was it, 10-0, and they gave up a a big play. I think it was a little bit of a broken play, and that changed the game. The Giants were doing nothing. And so you can't let them get that kind of momentum early, and that's one thing they have to do. They'll be a desperate team. And, um, you know, I think Washington needs to play that way, too. I mean, frankly, you know, that that loss to the Bears, the near miss against the Eagles, they have a hole to climb out of now. You know, they're chasing two teams that are probably going to be playoff teams ahead of them. They need to keep up. This is a must. I mean, yeah, like, these it's, musts. Listen, catching this team at one in five and just I mean, their metrics are awful on both sides of the ball. I mean, they just they kind of have to win. Now, I hate putting the pressure on it because I agree, like in they the have end, to. Winning an NFL game is really hard. I don't care how you go about doing it, um, but this one is set up for them to get to four and three. And I think we feel they have to win rematch because the Eagles are playing a night game against Miami. I don't know what their record's going to be when they show up here in a couple weeks. So it should be interesting. You have that, and then you also like this team has New England the week after. This is a chance to build some momentum uh, in a couple weeks too. So this is a chance to build some momentum. You cannot let these opportunities slip. You just—they no. already blew one with the Bears. You can't blow another one. And that's why, you know, I think I think there's a little bugaboo with them with the Giants that you can take care of that by winning. By the yep. way, the other guy I wanted to give a shout out for what he did Sunday was Cornelius Lucas. Yep. That dude played a clean game. And I think he he's exactly what you wanted to back up. And, you know, um, I think they're, the one thing with him always has been for them, if you wanted to play him full time, I think the feeling is the more he plays – it just maybe gets a little bit more worn down, not because he's out of shape, but because his size is height and all that. It just, it's one reason why they like him as a backup, but he's a good backup. And he showed that Sunday. He did exactly what they needed him to do in that game. Yep. And it was a last minute thing, obviously. Exactly. And, and yeah, so unfortunate thing, but he handled very well. So very for them as a swing tackle, he's been kind of invaluable for them. And yeah, you know, the same way that I would talk about like Smith Williams, Two Hill, they show up when you need they have. They just show up when yeah. you need them. It's funny because like I think it's people are starting to notice that Casey Tuhill is actually a good athlete. Well, he's always been. And it's but he but it, you know, when you play the play the way he did it, you see it more. And that's what he had to do. So anyway, Brad, you got any final thoughts? Well, I'll just give you the last one that which since we mentioned Tuhill. Uh Washington had three sacks last week, none of them from Chase Young, Montez Sweat, John Allard, Deron Payne. <laughs> <laughs> He's, That's it's a weird game, John. You, you never know how these things are going to go. No, and you know, but it's but I think that D line it showed its depth on Sunday, and they need to show up again this particular Sunday because they should dominate this game and and build on that. And so, like this team needs to build on a W. I don't care. Like, listen, I, we we already said it's hard to win the NFL, but some games you need to win. And if you want to do something this year. These are the games that you go win. And so that's why I think it's every game is a big game. Every game is a measuring stick. And this is another one. But they have to win this game because they have a chance then to gather some momentum. And whether or not they're playing great, 
The point is to keep stacking W's until you can get to that point. Can they get there? I don't know yet. There's a lot more we need to see. Anyway, Bram, thanks a lot for, for joining me as always. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Your comments, your questions, always appreciated. I will be back on Thursday with Jordan Ronan from who covers the Giants for ESPN talking about this game. You need, to, you need to learn about the Giants. Jordan will be there with good information. I'll have some, some information from the locker room Wednesday. So there you go. That's it, folks. Talk to you next time.